Chapter Thirteen of Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter Thirteen Condemned to Torture and Death. La had followed her company, and when she saw them clawing and biting at Tarzan, she raised her voice and cautioned them not to kill him. She saw that he was weakening, and that soon the greater numbers would prevail over him, nor had she long to wait before the mighty jungle creature lay helpless and bound at her feet. "'Bring him to the place at which we stopped,' she commanded, and they carried Tarzan back to the little clearing and threw him down beneath a tree. "'Build me a shelter,' ordered La. We shall stop here to-night, and to-morrow in the face of the flaming god Law will offer up the heart of this defiler of the temple. Where is the sacred knife? Who took it from him? But no one had seen it, and each was positive in his assurance that the sacrificial weapon had not been upon Tarzan's person when they captured him. The ape-man looked upon the menacing creatures which surrounded him, and snarled his defiance. He looked upon Law and smiled. In the face of death he was unafraid. "'Where is the knife?' Law asked him. "'I do not know,' replied Tarzan. "'The man took it with him when he slipped away during the night. Since you are so desirous for its return, I would look for him and get it back for you. Did you not hold me prisoner? But now that I am to die I cannot get it back. Of what good was your knife, anyway? You can make another.' Did you follow us all this way for nothing more than a knife? Let me go and find him, and I will bring it back to you. La laughed a bitter laugh, for in her heart she knew that Tarzan's sin was greater than the purloining of the sacrificial knife of Opar. Yet as she looked at him lying bound and helpless before her, tears rose to her eyes so that she had to turn away to hide them but she remained inflexible in her determination to make him pay in frightful suffering and in eventual death for daring to spurn the love of law. When the shelter was completed, law had Tarzan transferred to it. "'All night I shall torture him,' she muttered to her priest, "'and at the first streak of dawn you may prepare the flaming altar upon which his heart shall be offered up to the flaming god.' "'Gather wood well filled with pitch. "'Lay it in the form and size of the altar at Opar, "'in the center of the clearing, "'that the flaming god may look down upon our handiwork and be pleased.' "'During the balance of the day, "'the priests of Opar were busy erecting an altar "'in the center of the clearing, "'and while they worked they chanted weird hymns "'in the ancient tongue of that lost continent "'that lies at the bottom of the Atlantic.' They knew not the meanings of the words they mouthed. They but repeated the ritual that had been handed down from preceptor to neophyte since that long-gone day when the ancestors of the Piltdown man still swung by their tails in the humid jungles that are England now. And in the shelter of the hut, Law paced to and fro beside the stoic ape-man. Resigned to his fate was Tarzan. No hope of succor gleamed through the dead black of the death sentence hanging over him. He knew that his giant muscles could not part the many strands that bound his wrists and ankles, for he had strained often, but ineffectually for release. He had no hope of outside help, and only enemies surrounded him within the camp, and yet he smiled at Law as she paced nervously back and forth the length of the shelter. And Law? She fingered her knife and looked down upon her captive. 
She glared and muttered, but she did not strike. Tonight, she thought, tonight, when it is dark, I will torture him. She looked upon his perfect godlike figure and upon his handsome smiling face, and then she steeled her heart again by thoughts of her love spurned, by religious thoughts that damned the infidel who had desecrated the Holy of Holies, who had taken from the blood-stained altar of Opar the offering to the flaming god, and not once, but thrice, three times had Tarzan cheated the god of her fathers. At the thought La paused and knelt at his side. In her hand was a sharp knife. She placed its point against the ape-man's side and pressed upon the hilt, but Tarzan only smiled and shrugged his shoulders. How beautiful he was! La bent low over him, looking into his eyes. How perfect was his figure! She compared it with those of the knurled and knotted men from whom she must choose a mate, and La shuddered at the thought. Dusk came, and after dusk came night. A great fire blazed within the little thorn-boma about the camp. The flames played upon the new altar erected in the center of the clearing, arousing in the mind of the high priestess of the flaming god a picture of the event of the coming dawn. She saw this giant and perfect form writhing amid the flames of the burning pyre. She saw those smiling lips, burned and blackened, falling away from the strong white teeth. She saw the shock of black hair tussled upon Tarzan's well-shaped head disappear in a spurt of flame. She saw these and many other frightful pictures as she stood with closed eyes and clenched fists above the object of her hate. Ah, was it hate that Law of Opar felt? The darkness of the jungle night had settled down upon the camp, relieved only by the fitful flarings of the fire that was kept up to warn off the man-eaters. Tarzan lay quietly in his bonds. He suffered from thirst and from the cutting of the tight strands about his wrists and ankles, but he made no complaint. A jungle beast was Tarzan with the stoicism of the beast and the intelligence of man. He knew that his doom was sealed, that no supplications would avail to temper the severity of his end, and so he wasted no breath in pleadings, but waited patiently in the firm conviction that his sufferings could not endure for ever. In the darkness, La stooped above him. In her hand was a sharp knife, and in her mind the determination to initiate his torture without further delay. The knife was pressed against his side, and La's face was close to his, when a sudden burst of flame from new branches thrown upon the fire without lighted up the interior of the shelter. Close beneath her lips, La saw the perfect features of the forest god, and into her woman's heart welled all the great love she had felt for Tarzan since first she had seen him, and all the accumulated passion of the years that she had dreamed of him. Dagger in hand, La, the high priestess, towered above the helpless creature that had dared to violate the sanctuary of her deity. There should be no torture, there should be instant death. No longer should the defiler of the temple pollute the sight of the Lord God Almighty. A single stroke of the heavy blade, and then the corpse to the flaming pyre without. The knife-arm stiffened, ready for the downward plunge, and then La, the woman, collapsed weakly upon the body of the man she loved. She ran her hands in mute caress over his naked flesh. She covered his forehead, his eyes, his lips, with hot kisses. She covered him with her body as though to protect him from the hideous fate she had ordained for him, and in trembling, piteous tones she begged him for his love. 
For hours the frenzy of her passion possessed the burning handmaiden of the flaming god, until at last sleep overpowered her, and she lapsed into unconsciousness beside the man she had sworn to torture and to slay. And Tarzan, untroubled by thoughts of the future, slept peacefully in law's embrace. At the first hint of dawn, the chanting of the priests of Opar brought Tarzan to wakefulness. Initiated in low and subdued tones, the sound soon rose in volume to the open diapason of barbaric bloodlust. La stirred, her perfect arm pressed Tarzan closer to her. A smile parted her lips, and then she awoke and slowly the smile faded, and her eyes went wide in horror as the significance of the death-chant impinged upon her understanding. "'Love me, Tarzan,' she cried. "'Love me, and you shall be saved.' Tarzan's bonds hurt him. He was suffering the tortures of long-restricted circulation. With an angry growl he rolled over with his back toward La. That was her answer. The high priestess leaped to her feet, a hot flush of shame mantled her cheek, and then she went dead white and stepped to the shelter's entrance. "'Come, priests of the flaming god!' she cried, "'and make ready the sacrifice!' The warped things advanced and entered the shelter. They laid hands upon Tarzan and bore him forth, and as they chanted they kept time with their crooked bodies swaying to and fro to the rhythm of their song of blood and death. Behind them came La, swaying too, but not in unison with the chanted cadence. White and drawn was the face of the high priestess, white and drawn with unrequited love and hideous terror of the moments to come. Yet stern in her resolve was law. The infidel should die. The scorner of her love should pay the price upon the fiery altar. She saw them lay the perfect body there upon the rough branches. She saw the high priest, he to whom custom would unite her, bent, crooked, gnarled, stunted, hideous, advance with the flaming torch and stand awaiting her command to apply it to the faggots surrounding the sacrificial pyre. His hairy, bestial face was distorted in a yellow-fanged grin of anticipatory enjoyment. His hands were cupped to receive the life-blood of the victim, the red nectar that at Opar would have filled the golden sacrificial goblets. La approached with upraised knife, her face turned toward the rising sun, and upon her lips a prayer to the burning deity of her people. The high priest looked questioningly toward her. The brand was burning close to his hand, and the faggots lay temptingly near. Tarzan closed his eyes and awaited the end. He knew that he would suffer, for he recalled the faint memories of past burns. He knew that he would suffer and die, but he did not flinch. Death is no great adventure to the jungle-bred who walk hand in hand with the grim specter by day and lie down at his side by night through all the years of their lives. It is doubtful that the ape-man even speculated upon what came after death. As a matter of fact, as his end approached, his mind was occupied by thoughts of the pretty pebbles he had lost, yet his every faculty still was open to what passed around him. He felt Law lean over him, and he opened his eyes. He saw her white, drawn face, and he saw tears blinding her eyes. "'Tarzan, my Tarzan,' she moaned, "'tell me that you love me, that you will return to Opar with me, and you shall live. Even in the face of the anger of my people I will save you, this last chance I give you. What is your answer?' At the last moment, the woman-in-law had triumphed over the high priestess of a cruel cult. 
she saw upon the altar the only creature that ever had roused the fires of love within her virgin breast. She saw the beast-faced fanatic who would one day be her mate, unless she found another less repulsive, standing with the burning torch ready to ignite the pyre. Yet, with all her mad passion for the ape-man, she would give the word to apply the flame if Tarzan's final answer was unsatisfactory. With heaving bosom she leaned close above him. Yes or no, she whispered. Through the jungle, out of the distance, came faintly a sound that brought a sudden light of hope to Tarzan's eyes. He raised his voice in a weird scream that sent law back from him a step or two. The impatient priest grumbled and switched the torch from one hand to the other at the same time holding it closer to the tinder at the base of the pyre. "'Your answer,' insisted La. "'What is your answer to the love of La of Opar?' Closer came the sound that had attracted Tarzan's attention, and now the others heard it, the shrill trumpeting of an elephant. As La looked wide-eyed into Tarzan's face, there to read her fate for happiness or heartbreak, she saw an expression of concern shadow his features. Now, for the first time, she guessed the meaning of Tarzan's shrill scream. He had summoned Tantor, the elephant, to his rescue. La's brows contracted in a savage scowl. "'You refuse La!' she cried. "'Then die! The torch!' she commanded, turning toward the priest. Tarzan looked up into her face. "'Tantor is coming,' he said. "'I thought that he would rescue me, "'but I know now from his voice "'that he will slay me and you "'and all that fall in his path, "'searching out with the cunning of Sheeta, "'the panther, those who would hide from him, "'for Tantor is mad with the madness of love.' "'La knew only too well "'the insane ferocity of a bull-elephant in must. "'She knew that Tarzan had not exaggerated. "'She knew that the devil in the cunning, cruel brain of the great beast "'might send it hither and thither, hunting through the forest "'for those who escaped its first charge, "'or the beast might pass on without returning. "'No one might guess which.' "'I cannot love you, La,' said Tarzan in a low voice. "'I do not know why, for you are very beautiful. "'I could not go back and live in Opar, "'I who have the whole broad jungle for my range. "'No, I cannot love you.' but I cannot see you die beneath the goring tusks of mad Tantor. Cut my bonds before it is too late. Already he is almost upon us. Cut them, and I may yet save you. A little spiral of curling smoke rose from one corner of the pyre. The flames licked upward, crackling. La stood there like a beautiful statue of despair, gazing at Tarzan and at the spreading flames. In a moment they would reach out and grasp him. From the tangled forest came the sound of cracking limbs and crashing trunks. Tantor was coming down upon them, a huge juggernaut of the jungle. The priests were becoming uneasy. They cast apprehensive glances in the direction of the approaching elephant, and then back at law. "'Fly!' she commanded them, and then she stooped and cut the bonds, securing her prisoner's feet and hands. In an instant Tarzan was upon the ground. The priests screamed out their rage and disappointment. He, with the torch, took a menacing step toward La and the ape-man. "'Traitor!' he shrieked at the woman. "'For this you shall die!' Raising his bludgeon, he rushed upon the high priestess. But Tarzan was there before her. Leaping in to close quarters, the ape-man seized the upraised weapon and wrenched it from the hands of the frenzied fanatic, and then the priest closed upon him with tooth and nail. Seizing the stocky, stunted body in his mighty hands, Tarzan raised the creature high above his head, hurling him at his fellows who were now gathered ready to bear down upon their erstwhile captive. 
La stood proudly with ready knife behind the ape-man. No faint sign of fear marked her perfect brow, only haughty disdain for her priest and admiration for the man she loved so hopelessly filled her thoughts. Suddenly upon this scene burst the mad bull, a huge tusker, his little eyes inflamed with insane rage. The priest stood for an instant paralyzed with terror, but Tarzan turned and, gathering law in his arms, raced for the nearest tree. Tantor bore down upon him, trumpeting shrilly. Law clung with both white arms about the ape-man's neck. She felt him leap into the air, and marveled at his strength and his ability, as, burdened with her weight, he swung nimbly into the lower branches of a large tree, and quickly bore her upward beyond reach of the sinuous trunk of the pachyderm. Momentarily baffled here, the huge elephant wheeled, and bore down upon the hapless priests who had now scattered, terror-stricken, in every direction. The nearest he gored and threw high among the branches of a tree. One he seized in the coils of his trunk and broke upon a huge bowl, dropping the mangled pulp to charge, trumpeting after another. Two he trampled beneath his huge feet, and by then the others had disappeared into the jungle. Now Tantor turned his attention once more to Tarzan, for one of the symptoms of madness is a revulsion of affection. Objects of sane love become the objects of insane hatred. Peculiar in the unwritten annals of the jungle was the proverbial love that had existed between the ape-man and the tribe of Tantor. No elephant in all the jungle would harm the Tarmangani, the white ape, but with the madness of must upon him the great bull sought to destroy his long-time playfellow. Back to the tree where Law and Tarzan perched came Tantor the elephant, he reared up with his forefeet against the bull and reached high toward them with his long trunk, but Tarzan had foreseen this, and clambered beyond the bull's longest reach. Failure but tended to further enrage the mad creature. He bellowed and trumpeted and screamed, until the earth shook to the mighty volume of his noise. He put his head against the tree and pushed, and the tree bent before his mighty strength, yet still it held. The actions of Tarzan were peculiar in the extreme. Had Numa, or Sabor, or Sheeta, or any other beast of the jungle been seeking to destroy him, the ape-man would have danced about hurling missiles and invectives at his assailant. He would have insulted and taunted them, reviling in the jungle billingsgate he knew so well. But now he sat silent out of Tantor's reach, and upon his handsome face was an expression of deep sorrow and pity, for of all the jungle folk Tarzan loved Tantor the best. Could he have slain him, he would not have thought of doing so. His one idea was to escape, for he knew that with the passing of the must Tantor would be sane again, and that once more he might stretch at full length upon that mighty back and make foolish speech into those great flapping ears. Finding that the tree would not fall to his pushing, Tantor was but enraged the more. He looked up at the two perched high above him, his red-rimmed eyes blazing with insane hatred, and then he wound his trunk about the bowl of the tree, spread his giant feet wide apart, and tugged to uproot the jungle giant. A huge creature was Tantor, an enormous bull in the full prime of all his stupendous strength. Mightily he strove until presently, to Tarzan's consternation, the great tree gave slowly at the roots. The ground rose in little mounds and ridges about the base of the bowl. The tree tilted. In another moment it would be uprooted and fall. The ape-man whirled law to his back, and just as the tree inclined slowly in its first movement out of the perpendicular, before the sudden rush of its final collapse, he swung to the branches of a lesser neighbor. It was a long and perilous leap. Law closed her eyes and shuddered. 
but when she opened them again she found herself safe, and Tarzan whirling onward through the forest. Behind them the uprooted tree crashed heavily to the ground, carrying with it the lesser trees in its path, and then Tantor, realizing that his prey had escaped him, set up once more his hideous trumpeting, and followed at a rapid charge upon their trail. End of chapter 13